Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Feudal Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack, and joining me today is Rick. How are you doing today, Rick? Well, you know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm not complaining at all. What about yourself? I'm doing all right. Can't complain too much. It's a beautiful day. Um, here in Arizona, it is actually getting colder every day, which is nice compared to the blistering heat that is usually around. I'm sorry, sir. You have no sympathy from me. Well, how's the weather out there for you then, Rick? Well, it's a bit cloudy, a lot cold. I'm up here in uh, New England, but you know, it's almost Christmas. I'm hoping for a white one. We'll see. Yeah. Well, that'll be very nice if you get a white Christmas. <laughs> yeah Alrighty. so i realized there was a lot of content and it was probably a good idea that we cut it into two because you don't want to gloss over too much um right where did we leave off uh we left off uh talking about the third general and uh simon and yoko trying to escape the prison confinement and how she came to a realization as to what kind of person Simone is, that no matter what, he will drive forward if he has a goal, a specific goal. It, we also were talking about his uh, evolution, so to speak. After Kamina died, he went through this great depression, this point in which he was completely sad and broken. But also, we glossed over the fact that um, Simone, during that time frame, really blamed himself for what had happened. And this is because he had seen Yoko and Kamina kiss before the final fight with the first general. And he couldn't get it out of his head. He was just so distraught from that, so heartbroken, because he thought that Yoko loved him when she didn't. She had a love for Kamina. And then Simone kind of felt blame for not saving him out of potential spite and mixed feelings right yeah yeah that i i could see how that would really affect him but yeah and, and considering and that his mental state how he feels about himself and everything else plays a big role in how uh the machine how the machine works and in, in gurin logan in general works uh it plays yeah. his emotions play a big part yeah, that makes perfect sense because it's not necessarily fighting spirit that runs it. It's uh emotional state of mind, if you will. Exactly. So, yeah, he was feeling very guilty about did he or didn't he really not defend bro to the best of his ability or Kamina. Exactly. Um, um, but But moving on to this fight, you've got him going from a shell of a man and the daughter of the Spiral King comes in to play a huge role here where she's just the supportive, you can do anything you need to kind of thing. And she goes, tell me about bro. And they talk for a while and it's kind of cool. And you see him just idolize this man to just almost God status. And you can feel the loss and you can see his slow progression towards becoming his own man beyond what bro would do. And that's what the last that's what we left off on last time, where it was understanding what bro was saying when he was saying, don't believe in the me that believes in you, believe in the you that believes in you. He was saying you need to have self-confidence and you need to stand on your own two feet. Don't be the man that you perceived me to be. Be the man that I know you can be. And he goes from that and moves forward onto the last potential fight and he realizes that in this fight that hey i can take over this flying machine guess who can fly now it was, it was kind of awesome move yeah. um he yeah. ejects the gunman <laughs> right but this is it's not even the final fight 
it's the second to last fight when he really comes to realization that that I can do if I put my mind to it, if I really want to, I can do this. And there after the fight with the third general, when they when the people that are down in that area, down in the hole, realize that they can rebel against the generals, against the spiral king. That's when things really take off and when Simon really comes into his own, when he realizes, I can do these things. Yeah, he takes solace in the fact that he's not Simone the hero. He's not the Simone the conqueror. He's not Simone the leader. He's Simone the digger. And so long as he maintains that core value of his, that he is the digger. He will always, his drill is the drill that will pierce the heavens. He'll always move forward. He'll always prove progress once he holds fast to that then he truly becomes his own person and it's it's honestly kind of a beautiful concept so long as you stay true to you so long as you understand who you are and for lack of a better term stay in your lane you're not going to fail you'll always persevere you know your role and you play your role some people in, in going out of this anime, but going to, facing towards real life, some people have a certain role in your life, be it the main character or a sub-character. Not everybody is their own main character. That's too many heroes, not enough sub-characters. But, you know, it, it, if you understand that from the get-go, you'll do a lot better in life. And when Simone realizes that, he starts forging his path. Because he realizes he might not be the main character. He might, well, I should rephrase. He doesn't seem he might be the main character he stops believing he's somebody else's side character. And he realizes that people are kind of following him to a point where he begins to have confidence in himself. And it's a beautiful thing. It, it it, the, the anime is rife with beautiful metaphors, if you will. And some not so pretty ones, as we'll see later on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Most Unfortunately, de- it's still all accurate, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Most. Most definitely. Um, I mean, there's quite a few episodes throughout where it just, it really, really speaks, and it's like you don't understand what's happening before, but when it finally comes around to to an end for that specific section, like communist death, Simon's progression. It really brings everything together, and it really, it really ties it all in. So, and and that's a concept all the way throughout that I I I find now. After he, after um, they take care of the general, the third general, they fight him. It ends up televised to everyone, so they see these people rebelling against the uh, beasts. Um. Yeah, the original version for that, the original reason for that was to show humans will always be subjugated. Don't ever challenge the beastmen. It backfired gloriously. Oh, yeah. It backfired hard uh, against them uh, because uh, they were supposed to show them defeating these humans. And instead, it showed them being defeated by the humans. And so it really spoke to a lot of people. Yeah, it shows the perseverance of what mankind can do once you get your mind to it. Right. And from there, you you see that these things have an origination point. And you find out that through the Spiral King's daughter that, hey, there is a Spiral King in charge of everyone, in charge of the beastmen, in charge of life on Earth being the way that it is. And now they have a new boss to defeat. They have a new goal to pierce the heavens, so to speak, a new ceiling to break through. And... They go, they say, hey, this is the next logical step. Let's do it. And they, they begin their march onward. And they got to cross an ocean. And that's where you get a little bit of fan service. The little obligatory bath, uh, the bathing suit scene. Yeah. That, Which, that's you know, <laughs> it's like they lived underground their whole lives where the hell the bathing suits come from. But uh, okay. Right. And then not only oh. that, they uh, also go pretty pretty heavy but they they went they went for the innuendos oh big time almost everything in here was innuendo i mean if you look at the ship they overtook the the Goren, it's basically a mecca with a big dick yeah yeah and then uh also in when they have to go into the water 
there's a little thing that hangs down in between the legs that's a little uh, pod. Well, it gets destroyed, and the guys <laughs> act like their uh, their balls just got blown off. And oh, then, I didn't uh, even notice that part. <laughs> yeah. And then when there's drug underwater, right, and they're, they they can't find a way to get out, Simon takes Grunlagen and, and right up that same spot, but like a butthole now, rams oh, the no. drill bell. Yeah. Leon pops up and he goes, ooh, like, see, li- like he likes it. Like he just got rammed in the butt. <laughs> so, I mean, this was... It was a very innuendo uh, episode. I mean, you don't see anything yeah. like this all the way throughout, and it's just all concentrated in this one. And it has to do with the second general, uh, the scorpion woman, having come back and trying to defeat them. Yeah. Jeez. So, I mean, it's fight heavy, this episode, but it's very fan service, very innuendo-y. So it's... Yeah. it's it's definitely one that you can you can watch and you'll get a good chuckle out of because it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. They needed to take a break from the seriousness of it all. I mean, he's Simon's finally moving on with everything. He's finally doing better. Also, around the same episode, Nia wanted to figure out what she can do for everyone. And oh, yeah. She tried cooking and she was testing some cooking. Uh, and then uh, Rusio, I believe, is his name. Yep, became the taste tester. Yep, and he test tasted it, and uh, he uh, he ended up being didn't down and out agree. almost the whole time. <laughs> he didn't like, quite agree with him. Yeah, like food poisoning. And so everyone yeah. is afraid, hesitant, scared to eat her food, except Simon. Simon, he's sitting there, he's chowing down on it. He's like, I love this. This is great oh you don't want that fine i'll take it nom, 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 nom. you don't want this oh i'll take that too nom, 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 nom. And, and it's the same thing for the little mole rat thing that they have uh with them uh buddha yeah. buddha is no. the same way he's like buddha's sitting there chowing down too which i wouldn't want to know what the hell buddha is but yeah, i always thought the name was bunta b-u-n-t-a not no b-u-d-d no b-o-o-t-a buddha buddha okay Yep. Huh. Learn something new every day. Every day but, you uh, can. <laughs> the more you know. Um, no, the it's kind of funny because it's very stereotypical. You have a pretty young girl who can't cook for shit, but the main love interest is like, I'll eat whatever you make because you made it. Harkens back to the whole I made it, you better like it. Right. Mentality of uh, Western style wives and husbands. But in this case, he actually does love it. It's not, you better love it. He actually does love it. He thinks it tastes great for for whatever reason. Compared to the rocks he used to eat, I mean, come on. Yeah. Granted, he probably didn't eat rocks, but still. Cooked food made with love is better than. (laughs) Better than being fed a mole rat steak for digging. Just because, yeah, yeah I, I get that. So, but, uh, all right, so moving on just a little bit. Once they're done with the water fight scene, they get on land, and then they have to face two generals that they haven't faced before. No, At one general. They faced them before. No, they, they, they faced the, the air raid guy. That's when they get the ability to fly. And then they have to face them both, the, the, the beastman who laid a trap and the air bait, the air guy at the same time. Right. Yeah. And in and, the uh, fight uh, in the fight, uh while he's fighting the air guy, um, you have a bunch of these uh beastmen that can actually fly with their mechas, and so what ends up happening is Gurren Logan gets launched into the air, he grabs one of them and just slaps slaps it on his back, and it becomes a part of the Gurren Logan, right? And now his Gurren Logan can fly. And this is this yeah. is the fight before they get to the main area. So the third general, the the one that tried baiting them in and televising their defeat to everyone, before he gets brought in. You're right. They had a the air guy had a, a battle of his own. Lost one of the things that's able to help fly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that whole battle is about them finally gaining the ability to fly. So now this uh ship that they got from the first general um basically can uh walk on land 
it can sail in the ocean. It can now also fly as well. So it's it's a trifecta. It's a beast yeah, it of a, a machine now, thanks to them just like scavenging and compiling it all into one, even though it's by far not the strongest one out of them all. True. You got a little triple threat going on right there. Yeah, it, that one, it was almost too perfect for them to be able to get that that um, gunman from the first general because it, it appears to be the most versatile by far. Well, it's not that it's versatile. It's that they made it versatile because to get it to fly, they had to hijack something from someone else and then to make it work for them. Or they had to do modifications and changes to it directly to make it so that way it can float. Because if you that look at the sense. front, even though it kind of looks like a normal ship, it actually looks more like a knife at the front. Very true. Very, very true. I th- again, I thought it was a phallic item, and it turns out later to be an anchor of some kind. So, again, versatile. Versatile. Very versatile. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they defeat the Air General. <laughs> Not too much really happens there other than, uh, than them basically defeating him because he's over overconfident although you do hear a little bit about a timeline and so the flying general the the third general refers to him as still being young when he's 200 years old yeah so it really brings in perspective like this has been a thing for hundreds of years these people have been subjugated under the ground for hundreds of years. And they even refer to the Spiral Kings like it's, you know, he's immortal. He hasn't aged. It's been thousands of years. So you can guess that it's been at least 500 plus years that everyone's been underground. It's been a long time and since anyone's been to the surface. Yeah, that's now that you mention that it's mind boggling. Because who in their right mind would be subjugated underground for generations and just be okay with it when you have a drill that could breach the surface with right. no knowledge of anything bad with the surface? It just makes no sense. No, it does not. It's very, it's very fortuitous that everyone decided to go above ground roughly at the same time. It's almost like it was planned. Well, actually, it's not that everyone decided to go above ground at the same time. Um, and I'll reference this a little bit later on as well. Uh, but uh, they they fight, right? You finally get a reference into how old he is. And then after they defeat the fourth general, the flying one, they finally get to where the spiral king is. And that's when you fight both the flying general and the third general at the same time. So you fight generals three and four at the same time. The flying one, they're able to take out relatively quickly. But you also find out at around this same time, too, it's like day seven of the battle, right? And so everyone's yeah. getting prepared. Because, uh, you know, it's I, I feel that a couple of different times that they took a very uh, uh, biblical aspect of it, however small it may be. Uh, but they do basically, on the seventh day, it's their final fight as well and um hopefully well hopefully it's the final fight and then they'll be able to quote unquote rest before more work continues on yeah you know i definitely see the biblical equivalency in this particular aspect of it but i think it's about as far as it goes (laughs) in this instance um but when they're fighting and they are attacked by air. Everyone goes to the sky and they're like, we can do this. And then they're also being attacked by the ground. And then Simone goes, you know what, guys? I've got this. Go handle that. And they're like, are you sure we can do it as a team? And Simone's like, no, 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 no. Sit back, relax. I got this. Go, go save our ship. Right. He tells um, them to go handle the guys on the ground. He'll handle the ones in the air. And so he's fighting the ones in the air. And you can tell they're both both the top and bottom air and ground are starting to get overwhelmed it's a lot you know it's been seven days they've been battling for seven days also something else i just remembered too the spiral king also explains to viral 
why they go to sleep every night and why the battles just weren't continuing all through the night and why there's no attacks going on at night. Yes, that is correct. That that happens just before this. And if memory serves, it's because when the Spiral King created them, he created imperfect beings. Correct. In In the sense of they had to essentially rest. They wouldn't age, which was nice, but they couldn't reproduce either. Right. And they had to rest. And if they didn't go to sleep every night, their cells, their body would literally break down and they would die. So they had to rest every night. There was like no ifs, ands, or buts. It was guaranteed fact that they had to do this. And that gave our group, Simone, Yoko, everyone else, time to be able to do repairs, get prepared for the next day, get a little bit of rest, because it wasn't a constant onslaught from them or to, yeah. or to the enemy. It gave them time to rest or recoup. It gave them time to be able to get their bearings, make plans, do what they need to do to prepare for the next day. Well, the good news is, uh, well, well, we'll reference back to this a little bit later. But anyway, going back to the fight, he, Simon goes and does the Super Omega highly detailed drill and he knocks out i would say almost half of the entire air fleet and then once he's finished with that he jumps down and no one can find him he goes where where the heck is he well and it's keep in mind keep in mind that it's not at that point when he drops down and hides it's right i'm skipping it's uh the third general is basically an armadillo and he goes over to where the spiral king is because that's where they are it looks like a giant drill right and a giant spiral which giant is why spiral. you think that the spiral king via he lives in a spiral tower very very cliched but you figured that's the reasoning for it right uh, and so the third general the third general goes over there and he starts spinning and it creates this kind of vortex because the air commander's been taken out because they had a whole bunch of other people that saw the fight between the third general and Simone and then the third general losing inspired everyone. So they went out, they hijacked their own uh, gunman. And so, yeah, that's when the, the, the broadcast rallies everyone that was being shown to this grand fight. So instead of just being almost overwhelmed, now they're actually gaining ground because now they have the upper hand in numbers. I will say that it's very peculiar that everyone that they were able to, all the Gundams they were able to take over were being piloted so effortlessly. Whereas when we first saw it, only a certain few people were able to pilot Gundams. You mean gunmen, not Gundams? Sorry, I was close. Gunman. Gun, yeah, gunman. All right. Uh, so I do agree. Uh, but, you know, it always it harkens back to the very, very first comment I made or not the very, but a first comment I made where uh, sets it definitely set the groundwork where anything goes from the very beginning and they don't break that concept all the way throughout. If you want to do it, you can do it and there will be a way for you to do it. Yeah. But it just seems like uh, it reminds me of Dragon Ball, where once you hit level three Super Saiyan, level one Super Saiyan seems to be accessed by everyone. Right. I the, mean, the ability of one raises the for them all. Like, OK, to give you an idea, um, their mechanic when he first started couldn't read. And yet somehow he's reverse engineering flight into a gunman that has no original ability of flight. Well, he knew how to read a little bit, and it just goes, and and they explain this, too, a little bit later on. It's not too much later on, but a little bit later on, uh, why this is, why why the things are the way they are. Yeah, and, we'll, Harkin, we'll, we'll, we'll explain that when the time comes, but I was just, I thought that was an interesting point to bring up now. Right. Um, but as you said, that they got reinforcements. Mm-hmm. And they started winning the air battle. That's when the armadillo general was like, hey, we need to protect the king at all costs. And he reverts into a 100% defense only tactic where he just spins in extreme speed, creating a force field of wind and dust and dirt surrounding the for- the, the spiral fortress. Right. And when 
because it's being in, used in line with the spiral fortress. So the spiral fortress is also spinning as well. And so every all these guys are trying to trying to break the the spinning the cycle right by flying into it, and everyone's like, "Stop! You know, just stop." There's no point in trying to ram into it. But you have don't a bunch be an idiot. Of, yeah, but all these people are being idiots anyway, ramming into it, going, "Yeah, let's do it." <sighs> this is gonna hurt a little, just a little. <laughs> Oh man. But uh so. but then around that time when when Nia she broadcasts herself saying, Please stop, you're not gonna be able to break through it. We need to come up with a better plan. Everyone kind of hold back a little bit. Around that time, everyone goes, Where's Simon? Yeah. And, no one can find him. It's very confusing for a few minutes. Yep. And then you realize he's been digging. underneath. Oh yeah. Simon the digger has been digging. Go figure. And uh, so, so he digs right to where the third general is, and he go- pops up right underneath him. And so the general like laughs because he's like, "I'm impenetrable. You can't even break through here." So he slams down while still spinning, thinking he crushed him, and everyone's distraught. But then you hear Simone say, "Thank you for that little extra force. It allowed my drill." to penetrate and yeah <laughs> and he's able to uh kill the general he's able to stop the spinning and the fortress stops spinning yeah well he's able to reverse the flow of the the rotation and the general is like no 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 you do that that's devastating don't do that and simone's like oh this and he does it and it is glorious and when the spiral can you, you assume that beastman has perished due to that, but they never really confirm that any of the generals, minus the first one, um, is killed. Essentially, well, I um, mean, it's it's pretty safe assumption because you didn't see them escape or get shot out or anything like that. So it's a pretty safe assumption t- to assume that they are dead. True. Now, what I will say is one main protagonist, one main character who seems to be on the side of evil and has been with them every step of the way. Um, I forget what his name is. He was a beastman. He was v- the very first... V-Roll. V-Roll. Wait, V-Roll or B-Roll? V-Roll. V-I-R-A-L. Think viral? <laughs> viral video. Yeah, but they call it V-Roll. They, they always refer V-Roll. to him as V-Roll. He's a V-Roll infection. Indeed. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> he is on board almost every ship imaginable trying to regain his honor and it's it's almost impossible and finally the spiral king gives him a body that needs no sleep and will never age right and he thinks that that is a well, uh gives him an immortal body is what the spiral king says and he didn't yeah. give him a immortal body to defeat the humans with he they he gave him an immortal body to be able to tell the story of what happened for generations without worry. Yeah, yeah. That was, again, that's revealed after he loses yet another fight. Yes. Um, Yes. Well, right after the spiral tower basically stops, it's discovered that when all these pods drop off, that it's actually a giant gunman, like this mountain-sized gunman. That the Spiral King is controlling and and just obliterating all the enemy forces with. And even more gunmen are flying out of him. Yeah, it's it's like its very own little um, fortress, essentially. Just everybody he's ever needed is self-sustaining, self-operating. It's yes. its own little country, but essentially built for battle. For a very particular reason, to keep everyone underground. So they need to be able to migrate around the world and not worry about things like that yeah also because it is the last battle and all this is going on simone has nia with him and they're trying to get to the spiral king who is up at the top yeah and when they finally do get within eyesight nia jumps out basically and is like father why are you doing this he goes daughter i thought i would never see you again it's a shame and so they begin fighting and you see this gigantic 
mountain of machinery. I might add, how the heck is this thing even moving? Through his uh, spiral power. That's, That's what... an insane amount of spiral power. Right, right. It is. But also, when he and Simon are fighting, because V-Roll comes in and Simon like, efforts effortlessly destroys him just without a breaking a sweat so uh yeah. the spiral king goes into his own spiral and he d- he doesn't have to do any movement on his own right he's able to contr- control it through his power and he sit there and he's trying to destroy it and they get locked in and so what ends up happening is they get into a particular uh, situation where they're both gridlocked, and the Spiral King literally just breaks out of his own gunman and says, I should have known that a simple gunman wouldn't be able to do it, and just walks over and starts decimating the other gunman, just like effortlessly with his own hands. Makes you think how powerful this guy actually is. You know? Right. Well, He's able just to destroy everything with his hands. Yeah, and you see his his, his star power, if you call it that, spiral just, power, spiral power. Sorry, spiral power, just shooting out of his head like hair. He's yeah. a bald man, but he's just so overflowing with this energy that it just keeps just billowing out of him. Can't control it, kind of thing. So he's about to kill Simon, right, or Simon? Simon, yep, Simon. And Simon grabs the core and, you know, the Spiral King has a patch of hair in his chest and a per- almost a perfect circle like everything else. And Simon puts his core right in the center and turns it and blows a hole that size all the way through him. Yeah. Hey, he just has this gigantic hole. And true to most anime, you know, without lungs, heart and stomach, you're able to speak no problem. Yeah, well, you know, speak his final words, no problem. You yeah. know, true to true to most anime. Uh, but he does give him a warning. He says, when the humanity reaches one million, one million. Um, he says, you know, then your destruction will be assured. And the moon will be its messenger. Essentially, it's a doomsday, a very, very <laughs> grayscaled, very bland cryptic warning for him that maybe he should listen to but really doesn't pay any mind to it um but what he also says that i find kind of important is that his spiral power has eclipsed his own without him realizing it which means that simone is actually more powerful than the spirit king and the spirit king was so powerful his spirit energy or his spiral energy was shooting out of his head he, he couldn't hold it all in. So I've got a theory that Simone has the same issue where he can't hold it all in, where a lot of it's just escaping of its own. Right. And they do reference this a little bit towards the end, too. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you, you got a point. Um, before we right skip now. far too ahead, um, right, right around here... Is, I, at the end of this is episode 15 where they do something kind of awesome and they do a, a whole anime recap up to the point. Right. And they show writing style and stuff like that and drawing style. It's, it's honestly refreshing. It, Unf- it, it doesn't go into the finer details of what went on, but it gives you the highlights. So you get the main story behind it all. Yeah. It's a nice little, in case you missed a, f- a few things that were important. Um, but Here's where my frustration with this anime comes into play. Because after this amazing drawing style and amazing storytelling and lightheartedness and just the craziness, wackiness of everything that goes on, after episode 15, they do a time skip. I want to say from roughly episode 16 to 20-ish, they've got they just phoned in the job as far as anime style goes the drawing the the detail work the everything that you came to love just gone well just gone. it was still there but they had to age everyone so they're moving from a style where the world is open and there's no buildings and technology's not really that rampant to And they jump forward seven years to basically you have a giant metropolis. 
they won. And so Simon is now the leader of this new government and everyone else is there too, with the exception of Yoko, uh, who, who is nowhere to really be found. Uh, she just kind of went off and did her own thing because she didn't want to be a part of the new government or anything like that. And, yeah, yeah. She mentioned that she's not a government type, right? And she doesn't she doesn't like the rules and regulations that everyone's being placed under. So she she prefers and, a more free life. And then uh, yeah. Ryosu is also uh, the second in command, and so he's been doing a lot of things and. Some of it Simon doesn't know about because a he doesn't, lot of it Simon doesn't know about. Yeah, he doesn't Simon know a lot doesn't about. Care. It. Yeah, doesn't care. Doesn't care about ruling. But <laughs> Rasu comes from a very strict, very like this needs to have to be done. Yeah, yeah. In order, he's very. Uh, I want to say atypical, but I'm pretty sure I'm I'm wrong with that. He he uh, is uh, following in his father's footsteps, so to speak. In a manner of speaking, anyways. Uh, also, they're sending a rocket to the moon because they still heed the warning, but they, they're not sure what's going on. So they're sending a rocket, a probe, up to the moon to figure out what's going on. So that way they can either lay to rest the Spiral King's claims or prepare for the worst. And around this yeah. same time, V-Roll shows up again. And this time he's fighting against them, but uh, as a rebel, so to speak. Yeah. And you find out that uh, Rossiu has decided to take it upon himself to create a census of the people because that one million person marker is really important to him. And he's taken it incredibly seriously, which he should. Turns out he should. But this very specific wording of the king was once a, hundred, uh, a million naked monkeys above ground the moon will be the moon will basically kill you the above ground part is where i kind of get detached from because he didn't say a million total he just said a million above ground so rossius bringing everybody he can find above ground so that he can count them all i believe in my heart that that was one more point of of bringing this tragedy a lot closer right now um, what Viral was fighting for was not everyone wanted to go above ground. You got to think of it like a, uh, okay, there's a very, very clear indication. There's a lot, there's a uh, isolated tribe in the middle of the ocean. Have no, they're very primitive, roughly stone age esque, no contact with the outside life, no nothing. And they want to be left alone so bad that they kill anyone or anything well, it's that, not that they kill anyone or anything. They just, in general, they don't want to be a part of it. So they're trying to go away. And these beastmen are trying to put them back underground because that's what those people want. And it's not all beastmen. It's regular people, too. But yeah, they're they're trying to go back underground because that's what they want. And, and so inadvertently, if the uh, terminology and wording is meant to be taken literal, uh, Ryosu... Uh, literally helped bring about the million naked uh, apes on the surface by forcing them to come out of, un, from underground, by forcing them to be on the surface. He created, helped create this disaster. Now, um, yeah. Simon was very upset. He's like, why are you forcing people above ground? You shouldn't be forcing people to do that. And his reaction was, it's to create an accurate census so we know how many are there. Because he said, once we reach one million, the moon will be our messenger of destruction. I took this seriously. You obviously don't care about society as a whole. To which Simon says to him, well, what are you going to do once you find that millionth person? Or what are you going to do once one million is about to be reached? Are you going to just start killing people? Are you going to do what your dad did, basically? Now, I will say that right there, that very specific line makes me draw a comparison between Rasu, Rasu's father, and the Spiral King. Were they wrong in trying to protect everybody? Because I, essentially, as messed up as this solution is, it all comes from a point of self and population preservation. 
always have the best interest in mind of the majority, even at the sacrifice of the minority. And it becomes a huge plot point later on because you can't save them all. At what point do you say we have to go? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, also around the same time, he he becomes terribly uh, troubled by how Simone is reacting and doing things as well. He he finds he's not doing enough. Around the same yeah. time, you find out the different places that everyone's at. It kind of brings you up to speed at the same time. Almost all the other main characters that were a plot point are now are still a plot point. But they're also the leaders of the current government that are in there. It also, they took cells from the Spiral King and created a biocomputer. Uh, Ryosu created a biocomputer to talk to the Spiral King to get information about what what's going to be happening. He was, they, they chopped his head off essentially and then took that because they, they wanted the brain mainly. Right. Um, so they can try to access the memories so that Rossiu could find out exactly what was said. Now, this, I have to point out, was a super top secret. No one was supposed to know about it. Only his most trusted aides were aware of this. And, yeah, it was... You find out that the government that they have is a shadow government. Where you've got figureheads and then Rossiu playing everybody, essentially, for the public view. Right. To try to create a persona of law and order no he creates law and order but he creates law and order in the way that he feels it needs to be done um also around the same time when he brings the thing back when he brings the spiral king online the population also reaches a million you see the counter go to a million for the moon and then nia becomes the messenger for this group called the anti-spirals the new big bad the, the the biggest of the bad right and so what ends up happening is she starts talking to uh, Simon or Simon, sorry, about what's going on. Like you finally reached a million population, your danger level two, your spiral power is uh, dangerous. We're enacting the, uh, the extermination protocol. And so yeah. basically what she says is, the moon's going to come to crash down on Earth, and you're all going to die. And then Rossiu goes, oh, crap, what are we going to do? And you'll notice that all of the gunmen that they once had are now considered to be obsolete and replaced. And Rossiu kind of dismantles everything for what he thinks are more efficient and better ways to fight in better ways to police their own people. He's not really looking too far past the government, so to speak. Right. And in this time of confusion, they try to fight an anti-spiral that, an anti-spiral gunman that shows up and starts wrecking, wreaking havoc. Right. Once they're finally able to destroy it with Guren Lagan, um, it kind of breaks into smaller pieces and it just explodes all around and, and just creates mass havoc and hysteria. And Rossiu is super, super upset because why is the leader, the leader's job is not to fight on the front lines. The leader's job is to make the tough decisions and send other people to fight on the front lines, to die, so to speak. And that's where Simone is like, no, this is not how this is supposed to run. You guys trust me to protect you. I'm going to protect you. That's my job. My job is first and foremost to protect its citizens. And Rossiu says, no, as a leader, your job first and foremost is to protect yourself and guide us through these hard times by sacrificing others. And while I see both sides in a real and in a, a real situation and a scenario, honestly, the best person for the job should be thrown out there. And if it's the leader, it, he should have gone out there because if you look at it, he's just a figurehead. He's not really doing anything. It's Rossiu that's doing it all. And realistically speaking, I can see how Rossiu would get mad because Rossiu is not popular at all. Right he's now. rallied everybody behind. Yeah, right now. But he's rallied everybody behind a, a leader that he propped up. And when this leader goes out, if this leader dies, then the morale dies with him. 
So as far as a power struggle goes, I can see how he would need people in place. Well, it's not only that. I mean, like in general, he seems like he's doing what he can to make sure his goal and his means are met. Right. And he comes off as arrogant. um, One would even say in how he's doing things. And it's not so much that he's uh, trying to control things from the back end. He's trying to make sure things are done right to what he feels is best. And And therein lies the issue to what he feels is best. And he is a, a survivalist above everything else. Exactly. And Simone isn't. Simone is, I'm going to save everyone. Right. I'm and throw my life away for everyone. Well, not so much in the fact that he's wanting to throw away his life. He's, he's like, I'm going to do what I can to save everyone and make sure I come back alive to the very least save everyone else. Yeah. Right? Well, obviously, he doesn't want to die. But if it was a choice of him dying or somebody else... He's going to go with him all day. He's going to save the other person. That's what a hero does. That's 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 what makes him so endearing and so beloved by the populace currently. Now, after this one catastrophe, these people who live in the capital have gotten so used to a certain kind of lifestyle that they now depend on this lifestyle and. It's kind of funny because you see businessmen, hey, my, my building was destroyed. Who's going to pay for it? You've got to pay for it. You may, the government did this. The government's got to fix it. Right. And, and it definitely speaks. Of, yeah, right? no, it, it speaks to the hive mind mentality. When things go wrong, people want to cast blame. And they see Simone as the person that's causing this problem. So they instantly, without without really much effort, turn on him completely saying he needs to pay for everything it's his fault it's his fault we're going to be attacked by these creatures because everything was broadcasted to everyone it's his fault that this is going on it's his fault that we're all going to die he needs to pay let's sacrifice him as if that's going to fix everything i mean like you're all going to die regardless whether it's his fault or not but it's unfortunate but it's it's crowd justice public justice right it's the court of public opinion. And if you're found guilty, even if you're the only one to be able to fix everything, you're still in the wrong. Exactly. And even Rossi, unfortunately, has the same opinion. He knows you need a fall guy. Yeah. If you can blame that guy for everything and then punish said guy, the population is going to be happy. The problem is not fixed, but the population is going to be happy. Yeah. They'll be subdued for a short time and once they're no longer subdued if you don't have a solution or or a fix in place the same thing's going to happen and you're going to be the one that's going to be looked at for uh the next for the yeah yeah for the next prosecution you got a fall guy unfortunately this time it's a very public figure sent to prison and everyone's happy that something was done even though nothing really got fixed yep exactly um but man, it, just so much, so much is going on. Whew. We're not even halfway. Th- we're not even three quarters through it. Like in general, realistically speaking, we're maybe seven, about eighteen episodes, maybe in, and there's still yeah. about another ten to go to discuss. There's just so much that goes on. The the writers definitely knew what they were doing in general, um, and they and then. Uh, to speak to what you were just talking about a lot of especially right now what's going on in general can be attributed to today's political system and society and everything else that's going on it's it's a lot it's a lot so i i don't think we'll be able to get it done in in the second episode i think we have to go for a yeah i think we have to go for an episode three you know what i i think it does warrant that this, this this section of it was unfortunately a lot bigger than I anticipated, and I apologize about that. But hey, you know, I, I guess I can just choose the anime that requires a longer time to talk about. That's all good. Well, we don't know about uh, what we're going to be choosing next, uh, but uh, <laughs> I do have a feeling though that we will be able to, to uh, wrap this up in uh, episode three. To say the least. So, uh, 
stay tuned for part three next week um for the finale yeah hopefully maybe (laughs) oh no we can do it we can do it all the heavy parts are just about uh just about covered we got a a few more fine points that are real pivotal to the storyline ah i would argue i mean like in general all the way through looking looking at it as a whole i mean the latter part man there's a lot that goes on i mean like it's only about maybe nine more episodes to go, but a lot, a lot goes on. And blink and you'll miss it. Exactly. Well, <laughs> uh, I think that's about it for today. Um, feel free to join us next week here on the Feudal Animated Podcast. Uh, feel free to reach out to us as well. You reach us at feudalanimatepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, have a great day. Later, man. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.